We are live. Welcome to Little Pot That Could. We got Here a with the powerful guest. Kevin Turner. Yeah, right, dude. Don't steal the Joe Rogan intro. Uh, here with Brian Bowman. We're back. We've got a lot to talk about today. A lot of cool stuff. And it's, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of the interview stuff, like interviewing successful people and talking about like serious stuff. So I'm excited to talk about someone who isn't docs. successful or does yeah right serious. exactly talking to someone who's not doing anything cool yeah right dude you just went to austin i that's what i really want to talk about i want to talk about the austin trip and so let me frame it there well before we start i wanted to give a free plug no one pays to advertise on my podcast so i decided i'm just gonna start giving free plugs to cool businesses so my friend rodney who is like the most loyal of listeners to the podcast as well um, who actually has had like medical breakthroughs from the podcast. Uh, he owns a screen printing shop called uh, DLH Screen Printing in Salem, and he does good stuff. So if you need screen printing stuff, you should go check him out. Shout out Rodney, shout out DLH, and also disclaimer that nobody should be taking medical advice from this show. And that's true. Well, no, it, it motivated him to go seek medical advice. Uh, but that uh, is that is true. No one should take any medical advice from anything that we're doing. Um, all right. So how I want to frame this. So we are eventually going to talk about the Comedy Store doc on Showtime. That's going to – but I figured it'd be cooler for us to talk about your experience because there's going to be – it's way cooler. Like, And so I want to – to be able to talk about you going to Austin to see Dave Chappelle and friends. I've been super excited to talk to you about it all day. Like it was, I was hard for me to not text you and be like, Oh, tell me what happened. And you know, I'm like, no, we're going to save it for the pod. So um, anyway, so let's just start with Dave Chappelle is your favorite entertainer, correct? Like of all things, you know, oh. musicians, athlete, like if you could see someone doing their thing, you would pick Chappelle. Yeah, he's, he's right there with J. Cole, which my Spotify review said I was a 0.1% fan of. So, no big deal. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah, Chappelle, for sure. He's just like, I don't know. Stand up comedy is like the highest pedestal of entertainment for me because um, I've been funny in very sparse moments in the past. And so, like, I kind of get it. Whereas music is like, I have no clue how these people do what they do. So, I don't know. For some reason, stand up just resonates more. And I've been listening to Chappelle for 20 years, you know, since okay. I was like seven or eight years old, probably, maybe even younger. Um, like the kill show him, Kill Him Softly. I mean, the very first thing I saw him on was Blue Streak. You remember that movie? Martin Lawrence. Yeah, Martin Lawrence. Yeah, come on, dude. So good. I called that out during the show, too. I was like, put them on the noodles when they're in the convenience store. Put your hands on the noodles. (laughs) He didn't know. Nothing. But uh, this guy. All right. Well, I mean, he didn't really hear me because I was also scared because I didn't kicked out of the show yeah 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 yeah. well especially because you had such good seats which we'll get to eventually but um yeah and i kind of want to talk about too before we get there like your history of stand-up because i've been a huge stand-up fan my entire life i've actually gone to quite a few shows and i don't want to tell you what the best comedy stand-up comedy show i ever saw was because it's kind of embarrassing but um I've been to a ton and I think it was, I got it from my mom. My mom was, has, she loved like Louie Anderson who we've seen a couple times. 
Uh, we saw Dana Carvey live. Um, she So she's went to Vegas and we saw uh, George Wallace. I mean, I've seen a ton of people. Um, and I was a huge Andrew Dice Clay fan back in the day, so it was cool. We'll kind of talk about that in the doc. But I was like a huge – I had his – this how old I am. I had a four-cassette tape series that he did at Dangerfield. It's called The Day the Laughter Died. And I just, just used to listen to it over and over and over again. So I've loved stand-up for a long time. Um, what about you? You said you've been watching Chappelle for 20 years. Like, did you were you into other stand-ups too, or was it just kind of not, not necessarily. It didn't really start as like a love of stand-up comedy per se. It was just like my dad was like kind of a stand-up in his own right, just at family gatherings and whatnot. And uh, my uncle was similar, like they're just really funny dudes who like tell stories. Like it was most like kind of a family of storytelling and funny storytelling and kind of just reckless off the wall, you know, stuff being said and like life stories that are, you just wouldn't believe kind of thing. Um, and so I was always a big comedy fan. Like I was a big Will Ferrell fan when I was younger and like he was, um, you know, like when old school first came out or Van Wilder's another one, Chappelle show, that type of stuff. So I was a big comedy fan and I watched Dave's stand up pretty early on, but I didn't watch a ton of, I didn't really get into like, I didn't really get a love for stand up. Um, so maybe four years ago or something like that. That's when I really went all okay. in. and was like, Oh my gosh, there's so much. And there's so much content at that point that you could go. So I'm like going through all the George Carlin stuff, you know, like there's mm-hmm. just, he has 10 specials that are available to stream right now. Um, but I watched like Chappelle and Kevin Hart. I saw like their standups uh, early on, I guess, but I didn't watch a ton of other people, I guess. It really wasn't until I could was 21 and I could go see it live. Cause like just, uh, just watching it or listening to it. Um, I guess it just wasn't the same for me. So a little different history. So you went to see Dave Chappelle this weekend, but how many comedy shows have you been to a lot of comedy stand-up comedy in person? Yeah. So um, when I was up, when I lived up in Portland for a couple of years, we went to quite a few, we'd go to helium quite a bit, me and my Mm -hmm. friends or me and my uncle. So I saw like, saw Mark Norman there. I can't remember the other, this other dude's name. who was hilarious. Whammy from Anchorman, the kind of bald dude. Oh, Dave Keckner. Yeah, Ke- Keckner, exactly. So uh-huh. I'm there. Uh, Brian Callen, quite a few other people, like pretty solid headliners at Helium. And Did then you see Rogan this- there? No, I saw Rogan in Phoenix. Saw Burr okay. in Phoenix too. So okay. I saw, both I saw Rogan at Helium and I uh, saw Joey Diaz at Helium too. So this summer, I was supposed <laughs> to see, like, Netflix was having this comedy festival in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Netflix is a joke kind of thing. And it was like a week yeah. long. Everyone that had a special and all these people, what, like they had all these different venues. I was supposed to see Jeez. Chappelle there. I was supposed to see Andrew Schultz film his special mm. at a door tour or whatever. I was going to see Joey in Portland. And, uh, and those were like the ones I really wanted to check off and all of them got canceled because of COVID. So I was just like, yeah. I was bummed. Um, when COVID but, hit and like all that stuff started getting canceled. But COVID actually ends up leading to this, right? So, I mean, I had, yeah, I had heard on Rogan, he had Donald Rollins on and then Chappelle just like dropped in for part of that pod. 
and they were talking about doing these sets at uh, Stubbs Barbecue, right? That, mm-hmm. the, and I, I was like, that's insane. You know, they were saying it was like super intimate, you know, 60 tables or something. Not, I don't know, some small amount of tables. And thinking, Man, that'd be insane to see that. So, but I didn't think anything of it. Like, I'm not going to go to Austin or whatever, but you did. So how did that whole thing come about? So T. Lou hits me up on Instagram because Rogan had posted. Yeah, right. So Rogan had posted about doing five sets with Chappelle, and he sends me the post. And he's like, "Dude, we got to go to this." So I didn't even know about it, and tickets went on sale the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Phew. "And I'm extremely impulsive." And so as soon as he sent it to me, I'm like, "Yeah, we can't miss this kind of thing." Yeah. So, so next day comes around and I had three devices up. I had like my iPad, my, my phone and my laptop going on three different dates for Rogan and Chappelle. And as soon as the clock hit time or whatever, I refreshed all the pages and tried to get a ticket sold out everything. Cause you're right. It was spot on. There were 60 tables, 10 shows total. So there's 600 tables available. You had to buy a table and there was like four, six or eight seaters and you had to buy the whole table. Um, and I was like, motherfucker, you know, like, yeah. just like I had everything going. I thought I had it, um, but I just kept refreshing, you know, like I was like, eh, maybe, maybe they'll trickle out or something. Maybe someone won't check out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Five minutes goes by. I'm just clicking through each day. 10 minutes goes by. I'm just clicking through each day. All of a sudden it pops up and it's like four person table available. I click it. And I'm like, no shit. Check out. Gone. And that probably happened to me three or four more times. And then finally one popped up and I clicked it and it took me to check out. And it was like, you have seven minutes to check out. And the timer starts up in the top corner. And I'm like shaking like a stripper. I'm so like nervous at this point. And uh, (laughs) I punch in all the information, click check out, not approved, unauthorized. I'm like, I got four minutes at this point. I'm like, yeah, you know, um, well, the date on the credit card, it wanted a four year date and it didn't specify in my, my credit <laughs> card info, I had auto pop- populated with two. Somehow yeah. I noticed I punched in a four year date, got it. December 20th, Dave Chappelle and friends. I didn't get the Rogan ticket. So it was Dave Chappelle and friends. So okay. I probably spent five hours worth of research, just figuring out who's in friends. I had a feeling it would be Donnell, but I was like, are we sure. going to get Ian Edwards? Like, what else are we going to get here? Right. Um, or is he going to do, like, the music thing that he does sometimes where he, like, brings musicians on? Uh-huh. And then I, I look at my confirmation, and it says four-person table, comma, table four. I'm like, all okay. right, so we're table four. Where's that? And I look, and it's front and center to the stage. That's incredible. So every, every table was the same price. Everyone paid the same price. Uh-huh. And, but it's like especially once we got there and you saw like in the back, it was like, damn, I'd be pissed if I got that back table and the people up front paid the same price. I mean, I wouldn't be pissed, but it was just like, it was such an unbelievable experience. But you literally had the best Chappelle again. Yeah. You know, you literally had the best seat in the house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like how far away from the stage from those guys were you? We could put our feet on the tape on the stage. Dang. Yeah. And so they're like, and they got bright lights in their face, so they can't see very much, right? Sure. But they can see the people right around them. 
And what I noticed, because they teach you this in like public speaking or if you're giving seminars or whatever that or lecturing teachers, you like talk to a person. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't speak into the abyss. And so that was one of the most surreal things about it is that, you know, as they're doing their bits, they're like looking at you and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're like yeah. talking with you and you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I, I guess so. I even got a couple wow. shout outs. I got a shout out from Dial yeah. and Dave. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's a, you- here's a, here's a hot take for you. Okay. I listened to the Don Allen Dave podcast with mm-hmm. Joe, and I was like, Donnell was just, kind of, I felt like Donnell threw off the vibe and he just kind of was like, I don't know. I don't think he's meant for like, he comes off as great in podcasting, I guess, you know, like, plus, you know, you just wanted to hear more of Dave's, especially since he's never been on. Mm-hmm. I la- I laughed more and probably harder at Donnell's set than I did Dave's. Interesting. He's just like, he just crushed it. I mean, Dave, Dave was awesome too, but like Donnell's, Donnell's energy and like how physical he is and his like, he just, his punchlines had just hit harder. Dave's is more like maybe a little more intellectual and like, he just has his own style and it was as good as I could hope for um, and ever imagine. But yeah, Donnell just, <laughs> he had probably a 15 minute bit all about WAP, the song. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just smashed. Hmm. At one point, at one point, he uses the mic stand to emulate a mop, you know, like a bucket yeah. and a mop. Yeah. And he just like drops it down and he's just like slinging it across the stage. And he wow. pauses for a second, he sets it up and he goes, you know, ring, <laughs> ring it out. And just the visual that they were able to get you into was, was unbelievable. Um, and then the openers, I guess I should talk about the rest. So, yeah, I was going to say, like, who, so how long was, the show like start to finish three and a half hours okay. four hours maybe something like that i don't know because did you, cause you eat, sorry i want to get into that but did you did you eat too yeah yeah so they they were serving brisket and barbecue and stuff how was it stubs. it was fire okay i mean it wasn't the best i had while i was there because of course i was like trying to go to the best places but um sure i mean it was cool because like you show up you get in line you fill out your waivers because they did a rapid COVID test so everyone mm. got that thing shoved up their nose and mm. it's just kind of like a testament to 2020 in general and how shit's been going it's like i wasn't really excited to see dave until we passed the COVID test which was like mm. right before it was like just because you you thought it wasn't a sure thing yet. Yeah. Like I thought it, Tyler thought it, my other buddy, Scott thought it, we were all just like, we're all stoked. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, I'm going to fucking test. Yeah. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. yeah, That's just, it's just, that's we, and we knew we were front row. Like, yeah, Yeah. this is just, this is what it's going to be. It's (laughs) going to be me. Yeah. And so you're going to pass the COVID test and then murder hornets are going to get you before you get to the table. Something right. So the lady comes back. We were like in this little gate awning thing. Like they put people in these different stalls and nurse would come around and stab everyone in the nose, which hurt. I've done a self test before. Not too bad. Just like go till it like gets, I don't know, till you feel pressure and you spend on each side. This lady was just shoving it up people's noses. Hmm. Did you Um, see anybody not pass? No. 
Okay. But I wasn't paying attention. Like I didn't go. It would just be I was, man. Yeah, it would be horrible to get all the way down there and then not pass. But anyway, okay. So sorry. You take you Amen. get stuff jammed up your nose. You pass. She the comes. Test. So late, lady comes over and she's like, well, and she's kind of nervous. And I'm like, wow. She's like, and um, yeah, your whole group is negative. You know, like took a second to set in. You know, and everyone's just like, yeah. Let's go, Stacey <laughs> Um And then you lock like everyone. You got to lock all your phones up. They use those little yonder pouches yeah. or whatever, which was actually okay. pretty cool because like you're totally present. You know, like there's yeah. no distraction. You're not worried about taking pictures. You're not worried about anything. And then the other side, which is equally as cool, is that the comedians are completely free. You're, like mm. they're not worried about something they're gonna say or their sets are gonna get recorded or don't do this bit. You know what I mean? None of that. And they went. Yeah hard like okay. hard there were yeah. more um hard r in words and hard r r words drops in those sets than like yeah. anything i'd ever witnessed in my life hmm. and uh which is just like seems crazy for you know it's like 2020 pc culture yeah. but yeah they went after it actually the first hmm. the the first comedian that went up there were five openers in total i guess the five comedians okay. before dave there's a um, Cypher Sounds, I think his name is, from Hot 97. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he hosts, was hosting. Um, gosh, what was that? There was a show on True TV, Laugh Mobs, Laugh Tracks, and they'd like have stand up comedians, and then they would like, they would be doing their bit, and then the show was that while they were telling the bit, they'd have like a, actors acting it out in a skit. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, okay, I was okay. Yeah, I never saw it. He was funny, man. So he was hosting with this other dude, this Caribbean dude. And so they were kind of doing like a, almost like a live podcast, like bantering together, mm. but then also doing crowd work. Um, well, and then like DJ Trauma, I think his name is. So that's Dave's tour DJ. So like when you're chilling, he's up there like spinning records and whatnot. And okay. uh, yeah, then these two guys come out and they're kind of just doing crowd work, getting everyone warmed up. And it was so funny. They just instantly went to like the race stuff. Cause there's like, he's like, I think it was all white people at the tables right in front. He's like, do we have any sure. black people in Texas, you know, or like just yeah. made all sorts of jokes like that. And uh, yeah. And then they introduced the first comedian and um, Stu comes on stage and he's like fully handicapped. He's in a wheelchair. I'm not sure like what his disability was or whatever. He was from Colorado and uh, he had kind of like a speech impediment or he talked slower and he just, he had to like, kind of wipe the drool off his face every now and then. And he just smashes. Like I'd never seen a uh, like disabled comedian or handicap or whatever. And he just crushes yeah. he, he had some. What was his name? Bits. I don't remember mm. a couple of the openers names. I saw one guy um, on last comic standing that was disabled. His name was uh, Josh blue and he crushed too. I was okay. But like, I think he was from Colorado too. That's what made me think. But okay, that was it was that wasn't him. Okay, but he was good. He had a couple bits that I would love to retell, but like I just can't retell. Sure, <laughs> sure. It was just it was just so funny. Okay, and then other two dudes came back out. Cipher sounds and um, the Caribbean dude opening, mm -hmm. and uh, and then after that was Michelle Wolf. Okay. So she came on. She killed too. She was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, she um, she was she was like the controversial. She went hard on Trump at one of the um, 
White House press. What are those? Correspondence. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's where she got huge. She blew up there because, I mean, I didn't think she went like, like she was going hard at him. But I mean, that's kind of the point of that thing, and you know, mm-hmm. so I thought she was funny, but she she crushed. Yeah, dude, she crushed. I mean, it was super political, so some of the stuff like yeah. went over my head. Um, Cause it was kind of like, it was kind of a continuation of that white house correspondence dinner. Like okay. she talked about it specifically in the fallback and just making jokes, but yeah, dude, she was killing it. Um, and then the two host dudes come back out and then they introduce this guy. I can't remember his name. His first name was Omar. You actually kind of look like him, which is a compliment. <laughs> okay. Uh, he had this, like uh, he had this longer hair, um, just like bigger dude. And I thought, uh, I thought he was Polynesian or something like that. Mm-hmm. And turns out he was Armenian. I want to say it was, hmm. I think so, but he just, he was killing it and he was making a bunch of jokes about how everyone thinks he's Mexican, you yeah. know, especially in Texas. Cause he's from yeah. Texas and he's okay. just, he had a totally different style too. Like he just did this like run on like long story. This is life in the pandemic. Okay. Wear masks. Don't wear masks. Clorox this. Okay. Don't Clorox this. And like, just mm-hmm. kept going, you know, and uh, it took like, he didn't, since he didn't have that normal, like set up punchline laugh, you know, jokes per minute type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, he killed it, but in like a different way where I wasn't sitting there howling, laughing the whole time. I was just like kind of on the edge of my seat. Like, ah, that's funny. You know, like he just kept going. Which going. is probably good though. Like to have that change of pace in the middle of the show and not mm-hmm. just have, you know, and really like Michelle bringing like more of the political side. So it's kind of cool that they had these, it, you know, like not that you could see them all doing similar stuff and it'd be fine, but it's kind of cool that they had different vibes to what they were doing. For sure. I guess one of my favorite parts I forgot to mention, it was hilarious. So uh, the first comedian, he like someone comes up and grabs him and he's rolling off stage and the, the DJ, he probably requested this, I have to guess, but they played roll out by Ludacris as his walkout <laughs> song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Like, that's savage. Um, nice. So yeah, so Omar dude does his thing and then the hosts come back out and then Donnell comes out and Donnell probably did 45 minutes, mm. something like that. You know, wow. you don't know because you don't have your phone. Sure. But it felt, it felt long. And he, a lot of his stuff, he came out to WAP and he's like mm-hmm. holding it to like these white families, you know, like <laughs> yeah. father, father, wife, you know, son, son's friend from college. Like, yeah. Oh, so, you know, so you're here. And he's just going off about it. Like, he just has a way of emphasizing words and like how he talks. Mm-hmm. Like he can just say, but ass pussy, you know? <laughs> did he, did he, he talk about it. getting shot on there too? No, he didn't. Okay. He talked about, it was kind of weird on the pod. It was kind of an ongoing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You don't yeah, believe that me? That wasn't just me. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was super weird. Yeah. I mean, that was some of the stuff like it just kind of felt like he was detracting. And like when Dave was on, um, there's a YouTube comment about how Donnell is like <laughs> the little kid in the room when the parents are trying to speak, you know, yeah, like just kind yeah, of like yeah. interrupted one. Sure. And, and I don't think it was that bad, but it definitely felt like that. And Dave was super cool because Dave was good about like bringing him in, you know, oh, you know, he knows Korean, right? Like getting him into yeah, the mix yeah. kind of he thing. He was kind of like that on Burt Kreischer's show, The Cabin, too, where he just mm-hmm. like, his personality just kind of like overtakes him. just who he is. Like he just, overtakes i'm sure there's there's probably something about like filming too you know because like in this he was just and i guess this is his world to stand up 
he was just so good. And so he was talking about how he lived with Dave for like three months in Ohio, like doing sets out there and like just living mm-hmm. with him. And so a lot of it uh, was just about, <laughs> he had this thing, he's like from the streets to the creeks, from the hoods to the woods. Yeah. You know, like, and he was, did, had a bit about how like him and Talib Kweli learned to skip a rock together, you know, for the first time. I think he may have done that on the podcast a little bit. Oh, did he? He might have talked I think about so. It. Yeah. And I think he, he might be the king of like white people versus black people. Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That For was sure. like the crux of a lot of what he was doing because mm-hmm. he was talking about like, so where I got a shot out or something like that because mm-hmm. he was talking about learning to shoot a gun and he just had this like really extra thing where he's like, bah! and he like turns and like shoots it to the side and like mm-hmm. spin around, you know, and he would just do it periodically throughout the set. And every time it was just so funny. I'm just howling, laughing in my seat, right? And probably on like the five or six time, five or six, six time he does it. He does it and I'm, you know, I'm laughing and uh, probably louder than anyone in there. And he's like, looks at me, he's like, see this motherfucker right here. He's getting a little too excited at these gunshots or something like that. <laughs> and I was in like a Carhartt shirt and jeans and boots. I was like, yeah, yeah that's probably, that's probably what I look like or something. Yeah, like for that. sure. Um, yeah, so that was, that was funny. And again, it's just weird. It's like, oh, you know, like Ashley, Larry, Donnell Mm -hmm. talking to me. I was just watching him on the cabin kind of thing. Right. So that was a trip. Um, yeah. And then his Watt bits were hilarious. Like how white people shoot a gun versus how black people shoot a gun. Mm -hmm. It's like, he just, he crushed it. And, uh, yeah. And then, then the two host guys come out and then Dave comes out. Um, and Dave was just like, you could tell he had like a little gloss in his eyes. He was drinking on Stella mm-hmm. comes out and he like sets his pack of cigarettes on the stand and he's just chain smoking the whole time. Like he always does. The security guard actually came up before the show. He even started and warned us. He's like, you know, just so you know, when the talent's on the stage, you know, you have to wear your mask at all times, unless you're eating or drinking, which was the rules anyway. So I didn't mm-hmm. understand him making a point about that. And he's like, also you might know, uh, Dave smokes cigarettes while he's on stage. And so, you know, he can kind of just ash him around. So just be aware of that. Um, and, you know, in fact, he kind of flicked one out to the crowd once and, uh, you know, you might get yourself a souvenir. kind of thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, so he's just like chain smoking his cigs and he's doing, telling his bits and stories and whatnot. And there's some like COVID stuff about how like, we were all idiots for risking our lives to like, just go see him do stand up and, okay. um, but also how like, that's the American spirit. Like this is the last frontier, you know, we got to get out. And he did a lot of like trans humor too, which was like, mm. but in a very delicate way too. There was one moment where like the whole crowd went silent real quiet. Cause he was telling mm. a story about how one of his best stand up friends was trans. And so like when sticks and stones came out and he got all that backlash, like mm-hmm. that his friend had his back and then they got a bunch of backlash mm. and they killed themselves. Dang. Yeah. So the crowd's just like, Whew. and, um, but he's able to make like, and this is why he's my favorite entertainer of all time. Cause he tells, he says that like what comedian drops my trans close friend killed themselves because of the media in a standup 
special or like in a stand-up set it's like it sets quite the tone for the you know the set or whatever and yeah. then just like right after that he drops a joke and i won't say it yeah it was fucking funny um and he just kept firing and stuff like that <laughs> one of my favorite parts was at one point he like flicks a cigarette off the stage uh and he's up there talking and then he pulls a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket. So he brought one up with him to set on the stand and then he had a backup in his pocket. Too. Nice. He starts burning, uh, burning them down. Um, but yeah, man, it was surreal. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the shout out. And I yeah. think it was right around those, those trans bits um, that he was doing and whatnot. He like dropped a line that it was hilarious. It was a funny joke, but like everyone was kind of, quiet and not sure what to laugh or whatever. And meanwhile, I'm just like rocking back and forth. Mm -hmm. Like I was pretty much the entire night, especially from Donnell on. And, uh, and he looks over at me and he's like, I can't repeat verbatim what he says. Yeah. He's like, see, I fuck with this guy right here, man. He didn't say guy, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And, and I was just like, he's like, you know, like that's why we all do this for like, not everyone thought that was funny, but this guy's howling in his seat over there. That's why we do this or something like that. He even, I can't remember verbatim, but he was like, sounded like a Smurf, you know, like makes fun of my laugh. In the yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Dave Chappelle's talking to me right now, which is kind of a funny thing like, to think about in general. Like he's just a dude, you know, mm -hmm. but still it was unbelievable. And uh, yeah, he, he did the rest of his set and whatnot. And they like excused everyone. I looked over and that cigarette was still sitting there and I was like, Whoop, taking that home. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to make a little like shadow box thing with like Dave Chappelle's cigarette. And then I got like the ticket, the wristband, sweatshirt. Um, oh, you get a Chappelle show or like a Chappelle face mask thing. That's kind of dope. Oh, cool. And yeah. then I, I got a picture in front of Stubbs. So I'm going to frame all that up. Cause it was just like, I'll never forget that. Even like yeah. afterwards, me and the homies, like we were just sitting out like, uh, my buddy's place in Austin drinking and whatnot. And we were just like talking about the show and it didn't feel real. Cause it was like, mm. I don't know. And it was kind of, it was a lot like Rogan said, where like really good stand up, they're just thinking for you, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I just, I can't even remember any thoughts I had throughout the show. I was just like, you know, so locked in at what everyone was doing. It was amazing. And it was like a testament to like, yeah, this is why I love stand up. It was, it's like what pandemic, you know, everything had just kind of disappeared a little bit, even though I had a face mask on the whole time. Sure. And it felt like, felt like life was somewhat back to normal, new normal, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a totally unrelated note, where is the best barbecue you had down there? So this place called Salt Lick. Okay. Yeah. It was amazing. And I didn't believe it at first because my buddy was like, I asked him, he's looking Yeah, he for should like know the years. spots, right? Because he's he lives down there. Right. And he's like, actually, Salt Lake, there's one in the airport. I'm like, I come to Texas and you're sending me to airport barbecue. Yeah. But I had to wait on, like, me and T. Lou met up at the airport. Like, we had close, our flights were close. So we sat there and had a beer. And, okay. uh, uh, yeah, and we had some barbecue and it was definitely the best. It was so good. Hmm. So there's multiple salt licks, but the one at the airport is the best. So there's the other one's just outside of town. It's like 20 minutes okay. out of town. So like I probably, I didn't have a car, so we weren't going to Uber there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
Dude, Austin, have you been to Austin? I haven't. Are you moving it's there? A, I could. I'm not going to because San Diego. Yeah. But uh, I, I could. Of anywhere else I've visited, I can see myself in Austin for sure. Like, mm. The people in Austin uh, are not going to want to hear that because <laughs> they're pissed that everyone's okay. moving there. Yeah, they probably you know? moved there too, so they can fuck off. True, true. <laughs> and honestly, San Diego might be nice in a couple of years with all these people leaving California. You know, you might have less traffic, and you know, maybe housing prices we'll see. Are reasonable. We'll see. Yeah, but like, I get it now with Austin. I'm like, okay, I can see why mm. Rogan came. Like, there's there's like a bunch of different little neighborhood kind of like nightlife places, but also restaurants, and then the Colorado river runs like right through and there's pretty much a trail that like, it's just beautiful both directions. So me and two went for a run around that. Sick. Um, now is it dude? gas? Is, is it I totally it open? Mm, you still have to wear, it, it was like the restricted California or Oregon okay. where you can go into restaurants, but you have to wear a mask. If you're going to the bathroom, you can take okay. it off once you sit at your table type stuff. Um, people definitely give less fucks down there for sure, sure though sure um yeah i remember one night we were out and uh we just went out to have some drinks and you ever you have to have a table it's part of the covid restrictions if you're standing up you have to wear a mask and i guess like the only table opener they decided to give us the table on the stage so we're sitting behind the dj at this place and um like people are up dancing and whatnot. And he's like, all right, we got to do a reset. Everyone back to your tables. Nobody moves. Dang. It just keeps going. It's like, all right. Uh, yeah. If you're standing up, you got to put a mask on and like everyone just kind of looks around and I'm like on the stage, like away from everyone with my mask on. Yeah. Like standing up kind of, kind of grooving around, you know, and I'm like, glad I'm up here, you know? Like, yeah, it for was, sure. Yeah. It was a trip. Hmm. <laughs> Our first Uber ride. Actually, I think it was to go to this place. We get into Uber, leaving my buddy's place, and it's like, oh, we got a Ram twenty five hundred picking us up as an Uber. Yeah. It's like, All right. Of course. Welcome to Texas. We get in, cowboy hat, flannel, jeans, full meal deal, right? Southern accent. So me and my buddy Scott hop in the back. Tyler hops in the front, and his backpack sitting on the front seat. And he picks it up. I'm like, oh, let me get that for you, buddy. He picks it up, moves it, and you hear clink, 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 clink. Like, what's in there? He's like, oh, I got some liquor for you if you guys want to get this Texas party started off right. <laughs> <laughs> and he had little disposable shot cups and liquor that he was pouring out for, like, nice. I guess, whoever, whoever was going out. He's like, yeah, hey, welcome to Texas. Just throw it in the back when you're done. I was like, yeah, fuck recycling. Yeah, right. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, so that was that was a classic way to start off uh, Texas. He's also like, oh, yeah, and you guys wear a mask, don't wear a mask, I don't care. I already had COVID, so I'm not worried about it. Dang. Like, All right. Like, oh, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, you know, it took me down for a good three weeks. I couldn't hardly move, you know, about Dang. killed me, but made it through. Jeez, this dude's a trip. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. Jeez. Yeah, man, it was wild, though. Austin was hmm. cool, though. Yeah. Man. Um, so, okay. So now off of that, let's transition into this. Cause I, I don't remember. It must've been like maybe what, like a month or so ago I hit you up about it. And I was like, Hey man, have you seen that comedy store doc on Showtime? 
And you were like, no, I haven't, but I'll check it out. And I was like, we definitely need to do a podcast about it. Cause I, and I also want to talk about Rogan too at, at the end. I want to talk about how I think the pods jumped the shark, but let's do the comedy store first. Um, Cause I, you know, like I've been a huge fan of stand up comedy for a long time. Um, and so I thought the comedy store doc was awesome. And I really wanted you to watch it and just kind of get your take. It's five episodes, right? I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I don't really want to go episode by episode. I just kind of want to like, did you give me some just general takes you had watching the pot, watching the documentary? One of my favorite things was like, I've heard Rogan talk about the store for so many years now Mm -hmm. that he's really kind of how I got introduced to it a lot in a lot of ways. And then of course, like shooting the breeze with comedians and they're talking about their times at the store and all this type of stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. But like, so like my filter or my introduction to the store was through Joe and the fact that there was like an episode dedicated to him of the five episodes, right? One's dedicated. I know. I don't know. Like, I didn't think he was, I mean, there's a lot bigger stand-up comedians, you know, he's Mm -hmm. got the podcast, but there's a lot bigger stand-up comedians. So Mm -hmm. to see the impact he had on the store that they dedicated an episode to him in, in like, I mean, one of my other general impressions is it's very old school focused, you know, mm-hmm. Leno, Letterman, right? That was actually one of the criticisms people about Mike Binder and like his time at the comedy store, which I didn't think, I didn't think he inserted himself in it that much at all. Yeah, I I agree. Where like I could tell it was his view of the store, which I mean, it makes sense. He's the director and the one who made it. So of course mm-hmm. it's going to be his view or his vision of it. Um, I don't know. I thought the criticism that they didn't do enough about modern comedians and like what the store is like nowadays and stuff is pretty fair. Like there's a lot of big comedians that do time there that weren't involved at all, but like, it's also difficult to make a five hour like or five episode well, uh, document, okay. docu-series on this about that has like 60 years or 70 years worth of history, you know? Yeah. Who, who did they say, who did people feel got left out from the modern comics? Well, so they had like Annie Letterman, mm-hmm. um, Whitney Cummings. It was like both deserve it. Mm-hmm. But like that was it from modern comics. Was, I guess Burton Santino kind of popped in. But that's what I'm saying. I felt like, they, I mean, they, they sort of profiled, which I did think was kind of weird that they like just randomly and then like talked. I, it was fine. Like she's funny. I didn't understand exactly why they, but I felt like, you know, they had Bobby Lee and Santino and they were all part of the interview. Like they were the structure of the show. So I felt mm-hmm. like they were getting highlighted in that, you know, they were interviewing Bert talking about, what Joe, what it meant for Joe Rogan to come back to the store. Like that's still, they're like highlighting him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I guess, I guess what I was thinking is that like, uh, it kind of, I don't know. I guess it had to, had to, had to close. Right. And the closing episodes all about Mitzi and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I almost, it would have been cool to see like, well, this is how it's like, how it's happening at the store right now and have like a, 
I don't know, like Tim Dillon blew up through there, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of his, so I'm biased in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, or uh, Fortune Femster, like I saw her at the store. So I went to the store just before the pandemic. Like, right. And I saw Tom Green and Fortune Femster and a few other okay. people, which was an awesome experience in and of itself. I had to get on the wait list. Like, I didn't get tickets in time like several days in advance. And I had to like just stand outside and hope that someone didn't show and I'd be able to get in. Hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I thought it was phenomenally done. Like, yeah. If I, but if I had to try and choose a criticism, it'd be like, well, I want to hear from. I guess you can't tell everyone's story. Like, you should, I mm -hmm. think it got a ton of like the background of what people's experiences were, besides the people that had already like come up, made it, and like kind of have the store in their rear view at this point. Yeah, and like the the Richard Pryor episode they kicked off with, like I'm not quite old enough for that. Like Richard Pryor was kind of, mm -hmm. he'd be like, uh, when I I, I am, so I'll aware, educate you, huh? Yeah, right. Dude. I am, so I'll educate you. You're not. You're definitely not old enough. But I was. I caught him like when he would be like an aging NBA guy. Like he he can't still put up you know, 25 and mm -hmm. 12 each night. But, you know, every now and then he could still come out and give you something special. So I caught him at that. So I wasn't like a huge, huge Richard Pryor fan. So some of that was all new to me. And I was like, I mean, I knew he had had a huge impact. Obviously, people had talked about it, but I didn't really know like that much about him, you know, other than he like overdosed. Mm -hmm. But it was cool to like hear people talk about him. But the episode I really liked, I think it was the third one. Because the second one was more kind of about the strike, the comedy strike that they had there. Let me guess, but, Kennison? Yeah, for sure. Because those were my guys. I was like about, those, to, I was about like, to say that. When I was when I was really getting into stand-up, Dice, I mean, it was really Dice. Dice was massive, dude. Like, And they talked about it in the doc, but it was like, I mean, the first comedian that was literally selling out arenas. I remember it was like, 20,000 seat arenas that guy was like packing and he was for a while and it was crazy because he was super raunchy but he was 100% in the mainstream and I thought it was interesting because I remember when Ford Fairlane came out the, his movie it totally tanked and I forgot that he had had that huge controversy and that's what stopped that movie from being such a huge it's not very good. I mean, it's not, it's not mm -hmm. great. But I mean, at that time, Dice was a force, and he was controversial, but he was really popular. Like all of the people my age and a little bit older all loved him. And like, I remember we rented his specials on VHS and watched them at the house. You know, and like I said, I had his cassette tapes. But I was a huge Dice man. I liked Kinnison too, but he was probably a little too smart for where I was at that time in my life. I was like, you know, 13, probably somewhere 12, 13 in that range. And his, like, you know, he was talking about relationships, you know, you know, and religion in this really, like, if you look at it, super smart way. And I, I don't think that resonated with me as much just because I wasn't, probably in a place where I could really understand it. I do remember him dying though. and remember being like, damn, that's crazy that that happened. And that story is tense that that guy tells. Mm -hmm. And then, and then says, yeah, that'll be 40 bucks at the end. But like in the moment, like that, that's like a, that was an incredible piece of like documentary 
film work. When that guy is telling that story, I was like gripped, dude. I was I was just so dialed into that piece of I don't know. It was crazy. And then to find out that Sam Kinison went behind his back and like fathered his daughter and like I mean sorry, spoiler alert if you're gonna watch that to have my back. <laughs> but uh you know like that that story was intense, dude. It was like honestly probably one of the I don't want to say coolest because it wasn't, you know, the outcome's not cool, but like that guy was, that that story is incredible. And that guy did an amazing job of telling that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was one of my favorites too. Cause I didn't like Kennison and Dicer before my time. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I, I knew of Kennison. I don't know that I had seen any of his stand up at this point. Mm. Like before watching the the documentary, I've heard Joe talk about him nonstop. Of course, sure. like he always brings up Kennison as a huge influence of his. Sure. Um, and uh, and then he talks about Dice, and I've I've consumed some of Dice's content because he puts out Instagrams and stuff, and the dude's hilarious, right? Mm-hmm. But I know him as like older man Dice, you know, yeah, doing his thing. And so Dice. that was one of my favorites too, because like I had done some research and watched Richard Pryor stuff, and like. I knew all the other guys, but Kennison and Dice were the guys I like really didn't know much about. I do want to oh, shout also, out. Who's, the, who's the older dude with like the long hair who like talks kind of funny and he's a master joke writer. Oh, Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. That was, that was another See, one of my favorite. I never got he's, him. He was hilarious to me. I never got him. Like even in the talk, he like made a couple comments and I was like, Still don't get it. Still, because yeah. he was like the one-line zingers, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. I for me, it was it. just how uncomfortable he makes the conversation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> it cracks me up. Yeah. I do want to actually shout out Damon Wayans, too, because I would, like, him and Sinbad, like, they both had HBO specials back in the day that I somehow recorded on VHS and the Damon Wayans one, I must have watched probably 20 to 30 times. And it was like, you want to talk about inappropriate, dude. He had, did you ever watch in living color? Cause it turned into a bit, yes. like one of his bits turned into, he had a disabled superhero called handyman. I mean, it's like just the concept of it now, like, and he did it in the standup and it was, I mean, you talk about canceled in 2020, like, this guy, I mean, well, same thing but, with Fire Marshal Bill and Jim Carrey, right? Like, yeah. he started as a stand up bit, and then, yes, I didn't yeah, know that yeah. the Wayans brothers created in Living Color, yeah, dude. Keenan Ivory, I knew that like, they were all in it, but yeah, yeah that was know, his that was his baby. But Damon Wayans and I, Rogan's talked about it a couple times, but and he never really, I remember watching that and going, Wait, why is this guy more famous? Like, why isn't he like Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy? Like, it was. His stand-up special, and I, I, I actually should look and see if it's on YouTube, and I can link it in the show notes. But it was probably the funny, the funniest thing I ever saw in person, stand-up-wise, was Bill Cosby, which is crazy now. <laughs> but I didn't want to say it again, so I said I was embarrassed because I took my mom one time for Mother's Day, and he was it, like, he was like, I don't know, seventy something. He sat down the entire time and just slayed. It was insane. But uh, the funniest one I ever probably saw, like on TV, was easily Damon Wayne's comedy special. It was it was so good, 
And so anyway, I just want to highlight him because he's not really even like I don't know if he I think he does stand up sometimes, but he's not doing anything anymore. But that special was gold. Yeah, that was another I'd definitely say that'd be a highlight is like the duality of him and Jim Carrey like coming up together and for sure about each other. Also just Jim Carrey in general, because I don't know. I was like a big Ace Ventura fan when I was younger. Like, mm-hmm. It hit me right in that like adult or childhood stage where it was like just goofy enough to be a hysterical kind of thing. Yeah. And other stuff he had done. What? But like, I didn't, I didn't watch him live on in living color. I remember like family would talk about that and I'd be like, oh, okay. And I'd like see it. And I'm like, okay. Like, you know, it's, it's funny, but like, I don't know. It just wasn't, didn't hit right at the same time. And so like, and also just how kind of like, what more odd he is these days, you know, he's just like, Mm -hmm. he's kind of, he's just a different, even in the, even in the Showtime documentary, how he talks about stuff, he's just like a little more philosophical and like, seems like deep. Um, So yeah, it was just super interesting to see that and him talk about Damon, Damon and Damon talk about him. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Him climbing in the piano. That was just wild. Yeah. But that was one thing I noticed too, is that I felt like, those two guys, when they were together, you could like their genuine friendship. Like I could feel it in the doc, mm-hmm. how much mm-hmm. they actually really liked each other. And it felt like it almost made them back to, you, you know, like back to when they were just like goofy at the store in their twenties, mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Another take I had was that Eddie Griffin seemed like a dick. Oh yeah. He when did. you talk about bumping Absolutely. people for like, he would do three to five hour sets and just bump. And he was like, he didn't go, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. None of that. He was just like, yeah, I did it. Like, I was like, this guy seems like kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't rub, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, mm. yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that take. And then before we get to Rogan, the other one that I think is important to mention is Polly Shore, you know, because. Mm. I was in that time too, like when he showed up on MTV. I remember everyone was like, "Who is? What is this right. guy?" You know, because he was doing the whole weasel thing. And but he did. I didn't. I mean, because I saw all his movies too, but I didn't realize like the run he was having. Like he was a massive, massive movie star. Which is like, which is pretty uh, amazing to think of, because normally, like you know, your mom's Mitzi Shore, mm-hmm. usually like the kids of extremely successful people aren't extremely successful themselves, but like, yeah, I mean, he was, he was like, and that's a hell of a shadow to come up in. Ooh, the other one is like Freddie Prince. Mm-hmm. Like learn about him. I didn't, I hadn't known a whole lot about him. So when they were yeah. talking about Freddie Prince, that was super cool. That was cool. Cause, Cause I, I know Freddie Prince jr. Right. Yeah. See, that's, I had a little bit of that, but I, yeah, I didn't know anything about senior and sort of how all that ended. That was pretty intense to it. It's in the second episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polly does a, Polly does a good job at like just talking about how like crazy his mom was and she's mm-hmm. hooking up with comics and they're all doing drugs together. And so, and his ability to like make jokes about that, like, yeah, I know what everyone's thinking, like, you know, and he's able to get a laugh out of it too. It's like commendable. Yeah. I gained respect for him as a stand-up because I didn't know much of his stand-up. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't either. I kind of knew the MTV stuff and the movies, but yeah, it was cool. And again, like I said, I didn't realize like how 
much of a run that he had had. I was like, whoa, yeah, he really did. Cause, and it's weird because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I saw all those. I saw In the Army Now, and I saw Jury Duty, and I saw I saw all these movies, but I guess I just didn't put together that he was putting – he was had this pretty incredible run as an actor. Um, and I do kind of want to talk about Rogan um, in the context of this, and then we'll talk about how – what, what what the podcast is about, but um, I thought it was interesting that he kind of has become the new Carson. They talked about early on that Carson was sort of like the gatekeeper that once you were on him, then that's really what blows you up. And now it kind of is Rogan, you know, like it, I, I wouldn't say kind of it. It, it, yeah, it is yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I guess it, it kind of in a sense of that there's a lot of there's a lot more mini Rogans, right? There's like mini Carsons around like you could go on your mom's house and blow up mm-hmm. or, you know, you could go on plenty of other podcasts and kind of blow up. But Rogan is definitely like the pinnacle for people. The best thing to do is probably to go on all of them. You know what I mean? And kind of make them rounds. Right. But yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, still the the biggest impact in moving the needle you're going to have is being on Rogan. And, and I think it's, it's cool that he's so open, you know, and he's like welcoming. And when he sees people that he thinks are talented, he like tries to figure out how he can help them. You know, it's really, I, I don't know. I, I feel thought- like the, the difficulty with Rogan though, versus Carson is like Carson had a stand up comedian every night. Right. Mm-hmm. Rogan's like he's talking to scientists and he's talking to Bernie Sanders and so it's like, yeah and he's not doing a single a podcast every single day so it's like I feel like it's more difficult to to like for people to get on that platform but yeah it's available forever like it, like plenty of people find out about Joe Rogan and then watch a bunch of his old stuff mm-hmm. so I don't know it's better in that regard yeah well I thought you know, the, the section they did, the episode they did on Rogan, I think was actually my favorite um, mm-hmm. because I, I kind of wish they had broken down the Mencia thing more, I guess. They just figure you could watch it on YouTube if you want. But, I mean, it, they didn't really – I mean, they kind of went hard at Mencia, but they didn't really – like, he was – like, Rogan was standing up for the other comics. You know what I mean? Like, the other comics were – all feeling that same way, but they were just afraid to say anything, you know? And I thought, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen more of like the footage that Rogan, that kind of blew up on YouTube of the actual confrontation. And, but I don't know. I, I thought, you know, when Adam Egit was like, yeah, I mean, Joe bought the sound stuff for the, I don't know, one of the rooms. Like, man, how, how cool is that? Like he really, I don't know. They say you should never meet your heroes, but like I, I think that guy actually does try to do good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it's crazy that they sided that for a while the comic store sided with Mencia just because he was the bigger name at the time. It's crazy. I feel I, I felt like it made sense to me actually. I was like that was kind of what I expected. Cause it's like, that's how it is nowadays. You tell the truth and like, I'm not saying that's a, and that's a bit of a blanket statement, but like, it's really hard to tell the truth sometimes. And then you do for sure. and you get screwed for it. You know, like mm-hmm. you work in corporate America and you tell the truth and they're like, mm, it'd be easier for us to just get rid of you than actually yeah. listen to what you're saying or, you know, whatever. It Jerry Maguire so basically. Like, you're right. Right. Yeah. It, so it felt like, felt really symbolic for a lot of things where it's like he tells the truth and he gets screwed over. 
Mm-hmm. Right. He gets kicked out. Most of the people turn their backs on him or the club itself sides with, with Carlos Mencia. And this club is the gateway to all of Hollywood, which was another interesting thing about the doc to me. It's like, I didn't realize that the store was like the, the talent ground for Carson and movies mm-hmm. and sitcoms and all that stuff. And, you know, and he gets shunned from it. And, but then like, because of that, he starts the podcast, right? He's got to find another way to do something. And here's this media that nobody's listening to and nobody cares, but maybe it'll go somewhere. And now he's Carson times a million. Right. <laughs> right. Well, so it's just crazy how that comes full circle just from like telling the truth and standing up for what you believe in. And you're transitioning perfectly into let's talk about the podcast. The last note I did want to make on the comedy store, unless you have something, is that the music was really good. Like I was like it was good enough that I noticed like, man, this song fits perfectly here. And it I, the music in the whole pod or in the whole documentary gave me like I felt I had to have like emotional moments in there. I was like, whoa, that was like a really well-placed song. So that's my last take on the doc, unless you have other stuff you wanted to mention about it. No, I'd agree with that. I didn't really notice it, but that's a good point. Yeah. Well, if you go back and rewatch, you'll notice, you'll notice it more like right at the, the, the last song when they're like showing all the pictures of people currently at the club mm. and stuff was like, Oh man, it was so good. And the music, when they were telling the same Kinison story, there, there's just a lot of, I really thought the music was done well. So I don't know who did that, but props to you. Now let's get to a controversial topic. You and I have already talked about the fact that we probably not going to agree on this. I think that Rogan's podcast has jumped the shark. Now, I'm saying this from a podcast that 100 people are going to listen to and not 10 million or however many people listen to his podcast. But I feel like I can speak on this because I've been listening to Rogan probably, I think, I thought it was 2007, but they said this podcast started in 2009. So I'm probably right around 2010-ish is when I started listening. So I've been in the podcast game so long that when I had to explain to people what the Joe Rogan, what a podcast was. So I feel like I can speak on this and I'm going to make the, the case that the pod has jumped the shark. You on the other hand, do not agree with that. Not necessarily. Okay. Do you want me to make the case? Well, I want you to elaborate on what you mean by jump the shark. Cause I had to Google that the first time. You yeah. Which it. is surprising to me too. I thought there was like, a, but I feel like everyone always is like, what does jump the shark mean? So jumping the shark is basically like when Michael Scott leaves the office. It's when a show or whatever, some piece of content becomes, it's like at its peak and now it starts the downhill slide, which is not as good as it used to be. Past its prime. Yeah, it's past its prime. Mm-hmm. It's jumped the shark. I don't know where the term came from, but I, I just assumed most people knew that, but I'm glad you asked me to clarify because there's probably people mm-hmm. listening right now. What the hell is jumping the shark? So now you know it's past its prime. It's never going to be as good as it was. And now can I make the case for why I think that is? Yeah, Jamie, pull up jump the shark. <laughs> Stupid. <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> You're your dog's looking at you like, is he talking to me? But, uh, okay, so here's my thing. And I think it's a it's a combination of stuff. It's Because it started happening before the Spotify deal. But I do think the Spotify deal has enhanced it. 
I think once he started getting huge guests like Steven Tyler, like Bernie Sanders, like I can't even remember who else I noticed it with, um, he stopped. One of the things that made Rogan awesome was that he wasn't afraid to challenge people in a thoughtful way. Like it wouldn't be like Fox News or you know MSNBC where they're like trying to attack people. Like he would say, well, "Wait a minute here, you know, like you're saying this, but like it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an ever like a thing. It was more of, well, I don't agree with that. And let, let's let me tell you why. And it was a thoughtful dialogue. And I felt like as he sort of started to get bigger and bigger guests, he's been less and less willing to engage with people like that. You know, like when, when Bernie was on the show, he didn't ever like really push or challenge. It was more just like, Oh, it's crazy that people think you're crazy and you're not crazy. It's like, okay. You know, but like, let's challenge the policies. Let's ask the questions. Like how specifically are you going to pay for this? Or how, you know what I mean? Like ask, the questions that people criticize, and I know he got some heat for when he had Jack Dorsey from Twitter on there not being prepared for that. I wasn't as like fired up about that, but I just think in general, he's less willing to go to create thoughtful dialogue that is challenging. And I get the Spotify thing now makes it hard too because you know I mean, he's getting flack from people inside Spotify, you know the CEO has had to come out and defend Rogan because a lot of the people there think he's transphobic or whatever. And so they've had issues with that. So I can see him, you know, I mean, he said, Oh, well once, even though I've done this deal with Spotify, the podcast isn't going to change. It's definitely changing. And I get it. If I was someone paid me a ton of money and I wanted to deliver and do good and make them money, I would have a hard time not being influenced by that as well, you know, but it's like, you know, the last pot he had with Alex Jones, he's like trying to fact check him like every single time. Like you're not going to be able to do that, dude. This guy is going to throw out 7,000 statements in this podcast. If you're going to stop and try to fact check it, cause he kept going, wait, hold on, hold on. Is let's, let's look at it. And like, dude, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to fact check everything. You know what I mean? And it's like, but he, it felt to me like he was trying to be not politically correct, but he was trying to be like fair and not be misunderstood, you know, because he knew it would be controversial. To, he was trying to challenge him. He wasn't trying to challenge him, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wasn't trying yeah, to challenge him at all. He was he was trying to fact check because he wasn't fact checking because I think you're tra- you're trying to come at me like oh I'm gonna challenge him no dude he wasn't challenging what he was trying to do was fact check so he could cover his bases because he knew people would be upset they had Alex Jones on to begin with and so he was trying to be like well listen I well let's not put out false information listen but it's like no dude like you're not gonna be able to do that like that's not how Alex Jones works because he's gonna be like you know well you know uh, there's just people over, and he's just gonna go off on and then among us you know and and there's just all like you can't do that dude like it's gonna be impossible to fact check Alex Jones live it's impossible and and I just felt like his conversations with Alex Jones before 
he wouldn't say that. Just be like, dude, you're crazy. You know what I mean? Like, th- what you're saying right now is not not able to be verified, and you're being you're talking crazy. And th- and then he would say, and this is why people have issues with you. Where this time he was like, well, let's just fact check this and fact check this, and it just felt weird. And every time, sorry, I'm almost done. Every time he has these important people on now, I just feel like he's less and less willing to challenge their statements, their thinking. And I think it has made the podcast less interesting. Hmm. Fair enough. I disagree. Okay. I think, I think, well, one is this, all this publicity about the Spotify deal and Rogan having Alex Jones on and internally at Spotify, they're so upset and CEO has to come out and defend him and whatnot. Is that bad for Spotify? No, it's not bad for, and I wouldn't make that case. I don't think so. Yeah. I think I'm not making making that case. That's not the case I'm making. Well, so I agree. So it's like, it's good for Spotify. They're getting all this publicity. They're getting even more people coming over to them probably. Mm -hmm. And because they're backing free speech essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And most people agree with that. There's the, the like vocal minority of people who are like, Oh, Joe Rogan, he's a racist or a sexist or misogynist or whatever. And we're going to cancel our Spotify subscriptions. But I feel like that's a very few number of people compared to the amount of publicity. So I don't think that's not the case. I'm making at all. Oh, I know. But what I'm saying is like, because of that, I don't think Rogan feels any pressure to really like to censor himself or to, he's got to, you know, bring more money in for Spotify because more than anyone, he's been vocal over the years about how as soon as networks get their hands on creative control, they ruin stuff. And that's why his contract is a part of like part of it is he maintains complete creative control. And it's, I think it's worked out great for Spotify so far. So here's the thing. So I think he's conscious more than anyone that he has to maintain creative control and do what he's always done to a certain degree. Now I think he's matured over the years. I think he's just less confrontational in general, you know, like as you get older, you, you, you're not as confrontational. Hmm. I, I think, and I don't think there's really like, you want him to challenge Bernie Sanders on public policy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. I want he, him to push back I mean, on if Bernie Sanders says something crazy in the pod, I want him to challenge him like he like he has in the past, like you know. Uh I would have to listen to the specific episode, but I mean, I remember times in there like he was basically just cheerleading, and that's sort of what he does now when he has these big guests on, he just kind of cheerleads for them. I'm like, "Well, this isn't how he used to be." You know, and I think to the Spotify issue it's not about like, I'm not saying all oh, people are canceling spot, but I'm saying like, I think because he is maintaining creative control, that's actually part of the problem because he wants to in the core of who he is, he wants to do a good job. He wants Spotify's deal to be beneficial to Spotify because they gave him a lot of money. Like that makes sense. That's what good humans do. But because of that, it's changing. It has to, there's no way it cannot impact how he does the show. And I think I mean, it's, Bernie Sanders was before Spotify deal. Right. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the, that's why I'm saying that this started before the Spotify deal. The Spotify deal has just accelerated the pace. Mm, see, I just like the Alex Jones thing. I, I had that feeling at first that you're talking about where it's like, 
dude, just let Alex Jones be Alex Jones. Like everyone knows like he's going to say a bunch of stuff that's not correct, but he's hilarious. He's a comedian in my mind. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's byproducts of him that aren't good, but he mm -hmm. is hilarious to listen to. Hmm. It's just entertainment. Like I've never heard before. Like yeah. episode nine 11 with Eddie Bravo and Alex Jones is one of the funniest things I've ever listened to, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think that it, it's Joe being a friend and knowing that if he just lets Alex go, go off, it's not going to be good for Alex big picture. Whereas if he reels it in and facts check stuff and he's like, look, see, my friend here isn't lying about all this. This is actually real. I think it's Joe being a better friend to Alex, knowing the platform rather than like trying to appease anyone. I think he's just trying to like do right by Alex as Alex is like transitioning into a different phase of his life and career too. And they like talk about that some. So I, that was my take in hindsight on the Alex Jones thing, but I was kind of bummed because I really wanted Alex to just go off and Tim Dillon to chirp in with his, you know, cynical satire as well. Hmm. And it definitely wasn't that, but I can see where Joe's like, all right, if I just let him go off, the media is going to go crazy. The Sandy Hook stuff's just going to come up even more again, mm -hmm. which he knows that he messed up and like, this guy's going to have a heart attack. Whereas like, if we go through and fact check everything, like what are they going to, what are they going to come at him for? We tried to fact check every single thing and most everything was based in truth kind of stuff. Yeah. But, that doesn't make Alex Jones look better because he tried to fact check and most of it was true. I don't, th I mean, I like, I'm not a huge Alex Jones fan to begin with. I don't, I mean, I'm obviously don't support him getting banned. And I think that, you know, people should be able mm -hmm. to say their opinions, even if they're crazy, but you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, it, to me, it didn't feel like, Oh, well, he's trying to be a good friend. I just felt like he was trying to, make sure that the pod didn't go off the rails, but it's like, mm -hmm. when you have Alex Jones on the podcast, the pod's going off the rails. Like that's well, and it was also part, It was also, wasn't it in sober October as well? So Joe sober the whole time. I don't remember. It, I think it was, it was like right at the end. Cause Alex was trying to get him to drink the whole time. And it's like, no, I'm not mm. you might've smoked a cigar. So I think that also probably played a factor where it's like sober mind Joe, like, Oh, Alex is getting drunk. I got to keep him. Uh, that was my take. Yeah. I think there is like a. Well, I guess I don't know. It could be that way. It just it's because I don't want to stick on the Alex Jones because it's not it's not like those two episodes like all. Oh, I mean, mm -hmm. I felt like it's been a steady progression of this. Like as the podcast, because I do feel like he's almost like holy. Sh he's even said it's like I feel like it's a ride. I'm on a ride, and I just am on mm -hmm. the ride now, and. I mean, it's gotten so big. I think that part of it is like, whoa, you know, and it is sort of intimidating to be in the room with these massive, you know, hugely famous people. And I don't know. Right, like I sitting just, and talk, sitting and telling fart jokes with Red Band is a lot different yeah, than having Bernie Sanders come into the studio. For sure. But I still feel like, you know, like when uh, Steven Crowder and those guys, like Ben Shapiro, when those guys would be on the podcast early on, and he took a ton of flag for having them on, but I felt like, listen, he's challenging these guys. Like when they say some wild stuff, he comes back and challenges them. And now it's like as people say crazier and crazier things, he doesn't push back. And it feels like to me that 
you say he's maturing, and I, I don't. You say people get less confrontational as they get older. I think they get more confrontational as they get older. You know, I mean, it's the 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 uh, idea of the old man. You know, get off my lawn. Like people as they get older become more confrontational, less open to new ideas. You know, so I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate to say that. But I mean, with him, I just feel like it would be really hard. I'm not faulting him. I'm just saying that I think the show has jumped the shark because of the situation he's in. It got way bigger than he ever expected it to be. And then Spotify paid him way more money than he would have ever expected the podcast to generate. And I think, you know, it's he's learning on the fly and it's just sort of warped what happens with the podcast. And I get it. I get what he's he's doing, I would be tempted to do the same thing and I probably would, but like that doesn't stop the fact that the show has jumped the shark. I don't know. I think it's better. Well, disclaimer, I listen to it less than I ever have now. 100%. I haven't listened to an episode since he's moved to Spotify. But I think it is it's just as good, if not better, than it's ever been. Mm. Because like, I mean... He can't challenge Bernie on public policy. I can't fault him for that, you know, because I've, I've listened to ones where he has certain like scientists on or something like that, something I'm more familiar with mm-hmm. in like politics. And like he'll start to ask questions to try and understand physics or something like that. And he ends up kind of sounding like an idiot. And then like this extremely smart person has to really like, simplify this idea down and Joe's not really picking up on it. And it kind of just like goes like kind of detracts from the conversation, which I feel like could happen if he like is sitting there trying to challenge Bernie on public policy and stuff that he doesn't really know. See, I don't, whereas, whereas when he just lets someone talk, right. Mm -hmm. The public can decide whether they're full of shit or not. Just Mm -hmm. let him talk, let him say their spiel. And if you disagree, that's fine. If you can find holes, that's fine but maybe just giving Bernie more than three minutes to talk is going to be really useful. But in the scenario you talked about where he like asks questions and doesn't quite understand it. That's good because he's asking the questions that you would ask, or I would ask if we were there too. And when they have to simplify it and break it down, it's like now they're getting to the root of the information that's actually helpful for us. You know, I thought like when he would ex- explore in the conversations more it was actually more helpful. Now when he just lets people talk, like how is he any different than Ryan Seacrest or some of these other guys that are just going to ask you questions and let you talk? Like, it's the same thing. Well, because I think you have an hour to three hours worth of long forum conversation. So you really start to like, I thought the Bernie podcast was great. It's like, I, I thought he like, it gave me a lot better idea of who Bernie really is versus the sound bites that you normally see. I thought the Tulsi podcast was great or Andrew Yang mm-hmm. or Ben Shapiro. Like, I think all of them are great because I definitely don't agree with everything that they say or believe. Like I disagree on a lot of stuff, but I'm like, it at least lets me see them as like human. And I think maintaining that, like, all right, well, like he might, cause he'll still question them on things. Like he asked Bernie how he was going to fund all this or Andrew Yang, how he's going to fund all of this and things like that. Um, I mean, he doesn't go to that next tier of challenging. I agree with you on that. But I think it creates a relationship of like, all right, we're two friends talking. Like it keeps that flowing versus they're 
they're used to having an interviewer who's trying to catch them, trying to challenge them. You know what I mean? Like a lot of like a 60 minutes interview or a CNN interview or something like that. They challenge in that way. Whereas when Joe's like, okay, all right, let's just keep going. Like, I think they're more apt to just keep talking and show them themselves, I guess. Hmm. And I think that's better than any like, you know, hard challenge or confrontation that someone could. But that's the thing. He didn't use to challenge hard. It would be like a thoughtful, like, well, how does like explain? You know what I mean? It was never, it was never confrontational in a way that was disrespectful and rude. I didn't feel like, I mean, Mm -hmm. but that was what made him better than everybody else. I felt because he was willing to say, wait a minute here, hold on. I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. And he would like, say he would ask like clarify this for me because this doesn't seems like you're saying this but that's not I'm like, dude that's exactly the type of questioning that doesn't happen he was making i feel like he still i feel like he still does plenty of that i feel like he still does that though not when he gets with the biggest people that he's ever had on the pod it's not like that and that's what i'm saying and that's i, I i'm not blaming him i'm saying just a natural progression of when you get bigger you know, in order to keep getting, you know, if he has Bernie Sanders on and then just crushes him on policy stuff, well, no one's ever going to come on the show again. So I get it. I'm not blaming him, but that doesn't change. I'm not saying Joe Rogan's doing a bad job. That's not what I, the case I'm making. I'm making the case that the circumstances surrounding the podcast have caused it so much that the show has now jumped the shark. Like it's impossible to put the genie back in the bottle. It's all I'm making. I'm not making. Mm. A value judgment on Joe Rogan as a podcast host. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the podcast has jumped the shark. It's never going to be as good as it was four or five years ago. Just I see. I disagree again because, like, four or five years ago, Kanye wouldn't have come on his podcast. Bernie Kanye episode sucked. Adrian. It wasn't great, but it was like it's it terrible. Was interesting. He never it once interesting. He never once said. This is crazy. Like the things you're in, and it's all you can tell. Kanye is surrounded by yes men all the time. They're, oh, yeah, it's a great idea. So I wanted him at one point to be like, this is kind of nutso what you're saying. Like, I don't understand. But it was, it was like, oh, yeah, you're just misunderstood. You know, that was, I'm glad you brought that episode up. That was the one where it's like, okay, yes, completely jumped the shark. And that's fun. Again, I'm saying you're, you and I are saying the same things. You're like, that was a great episode. No, it wasn't. But if you're looking for, I just want to hear Kanye talk for three hours, then yeah, that's the podcast is good. That's not what I think made, and it might be from when we started. I've been listening to Rogan for 10 years. Early on, he was definitely more into exploring topics and having thoughtful conversations, and that's not what the podcast is anymore. The podcast is what you're saying. Let's hear Kanye talk for three hours. It's not interesting. Well, and that's more interesting to me because one of the like I stopped listening to Rogan probably a year or so ago, like as much, you know, if I see a certain guest on, I'll check it out. Because um, it's like when you have those long forum exploratory conversations, there's a lot of repetition about Joe, you know, mm-hmm. like there's the DMT joke. There's the have you seen the chimp, you know, with the spear dro- joke. There's just a lot of stuff that Joe repeats. And that's like, that's part of the reason I started listening to it less is like, all right, well, I'm just kind of like, I want to listen, you know, I'm going to check out some of these other podcasts and folks out there who I don't know everything about them. Like I know a lot about Joe. And so when he's, when he talks more, it's like, well, 
I already know all this essentially. You know, I've already heard you talk about this 50 times. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's a, it's, I don't know. I think it's better. And maybe that's for me because I'm tired of listening to Joe talk, but like, I think most people are like, we listen to Joe for the guest and not so much for Joe. Um, yeah, I'm not listening to it for Joe either. I'm listening to for him to challenge people and like have create like thoughtful conversations. Like because sure he'll talk about some similar stuff, but he'll ask people for whatever they're good at. He asks them like clarifying questions. That's interesting to me. Like I don't care that. Kanye thinks he's here to beat the leader of the free world. Like that doesn't interest me at all. And I would have much rather have him say like, doesn't that seem sort of narcissistic that you like think you should be in charge of like, where's that coming? You know what I mean? Like I would rather have had him be old school Joe and try to like, look at that. Like, don't just take that at face value and be like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, what else do you think? Like, But we're all able to come to those conclusions anyways. Like anyone who watches Kanye's episode is like, wow, this guy's like kind of off the rails a little bit, extremely narcissistic, pretty crazy. So like, I don't think Joe needs to ask him that because it's already like they make these things obvious by talking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I didn't even watch all of the Kanye episode because I was just like, just me neither cheerleading and that's what i'm saying okay i feel like you're making my point you just said a year ago you stopped listening to it as much and you like you're like ah, oh, it's sort of like that's the whole point like the show jumped the shark i don't know but like more than ever there's like like that sleep scientist guy he had on i listened to that or about breathing through your nose yeah, yeah, and sleep mm-hmm. science and then i yeah and then i got the guy's audiobook and i listened to that sure. and it's like it's phenomenal i'm gonna go get my deviated septum checked out and hopefully fixed and stop snoring and stop my sleep apnea, Mm -hmm. which is like exactly what you're talking about on how podcasts can change your life. So stuff like that and Rhonda Patrick or even, but when was the last time she was on, she was on three years ago. Although she, she did one on vitamin D you're right. She just did one. Tim, Tim, Tim Baker. Yeah. The CIA guy. Yeah. Mike, Mike Baker, Mike Baker. That's interesting to me, you know, to hear this guy talk. Those fucking kids, Muggsy and Scooter, or whatever their names are. Um, Tim Dillon is always a favorite of mine. I mean, he's Joe intro, like still introduces like new comedians, and I mean, I believe yeah, he's how I heard of Tim Dillon for the first time. Who's up there for my favorite comedians right now? Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, it's just like I just pick and choose episodes more than ever, whereas I used to for listen sure. to all of them. And then for there's sure. also way more podcasts now more than ever. For sure. More podcasts, and he's actually putting out more podcasts. I mean, he used to do like two a week, and now it's sometimes like four a week, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the schedule. So, yeah, that's part of it too. Listen, I'm not going to – I'm not bashing on Rogan. Rogan has – I mean, the reason that I started a podcast, like he was – he helped me shape – my thinking, you know, and really learn to question stuff more. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. I'm not saying the podcast is bad. I'm just saying it's not as good as it used to be. And it's probably impossible so, for it to be as good. So what were the prime years? Hmm, boy, 
I would say after it's definitely not the early years. It's definitely not when he was still on the couch at his house. It's not there. It's probably, I think it's like right around when Rhonda Patrick started coming on. Um, so maybe, I don't know. It's probably six years ago, five, six years ago. That was where he, I think he started to realize, Oh man, I could bring these, super smart people on that have the ability. Cause one thing that's awesome about her is she has this ability to like synthesize complex information and just be like, Hey, this is how it will affect you as a normal person. You don't have to be super smart to understand the benefits of heat shock proteins or sitting in the sauna or, you know, vitamin D to fight COVID or whatever. Like, I mean, she says this really, and he started bringing on people. So I would say probably five to six years ago, right in that time was sort of the prime years I felt like. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Who do you, who's next then? Like, or will any podcast ever be as great as his podcast five to six years ago? Uh, It's tough because he was really good at what I try to do. You know, edutainment, like giving you something good, but also making it entertaining. That's hard. I'm sure someone will come up with something, but it's he's a he's a weird combination of comedian, but he's also a deep thinker. You know, he's also someone that at the time wasn't afraid to, you know, when it wasn't okay to say, yeah, I'd use psychedelics. You know, I mean, when he really came out on that, like, that was still not something that was something that if you wanted to be successful, you would talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. even with cannabis, like when he was talking about, yes, I mean, there's clips of him on YouTube, like disputing experts saying that, you know, like weed is bad. He's like going at him. Like, yeah, I smoke weed all the time. He's like, I'm not lazy. I probably do more than you do. You know what I mean? It was like, but to be a cannabis advocate when he first started, wasn't cool either. And um, so, yeah, I mean, he's just a weird combination of, funny, thoughtful, not of super self-aware, not afraid of uh, competition or backlash. So I don't know. I don't know wh- who the next one is. I just, uh, yeah, I just missed that era. So what's crazy is like, just this conversation made me, I, I already know Joe like had a pretty big impact on my life. I definitely haven't listened to as much as you or a lot of people on Rogan, mm-hmm. but like when I think about it now, it's like float tanks. I love them. They made mm-hmm. like a, made a big impact on my life introduced by Joe. Um, not being married to your ideas is like mm-hmm. a pro like view. Hundred percent. That. Like, Whoa, that's a big one. UFC. Like, I was kind of like into it, but like, just like through osmosis almost like mm-hmm. I love the UFC now. Stand-up comedy is probably, at least in part, from all the stand-up comedians he introduced me to and how he talked about it. Like, I used to skip the comedian podcast back mm. in the day because I was just like, oh, here we go. And <laughs> talk about the store. Yeah. Talk about what it's like to develop bits, you know. And now I'm like, oh, dude, I can't wait to hear so-and-so talk about, like, their process, mm. you know, and, like, what they went through in their come-up stories. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, everything, even just, like, like you're saying, it's like, people can do drugs and not be a loser. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was growing up, it was like, 
if you do anything that's illegal, you're a loser. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And then you meet this crazy successful person who's thoughtful and all this stuff for sure done all this stuff. And it's like, Oh, maybe I have a shallow opinion on this. And pulls um, back the curtain of other people who are like, you know, like have a PhD that are saying, you know, there actually might be something to the science of cannabis helping with, uh, you know, cancer or whatever, you know, it's like, Oh, mm -hmm. huh. Okay. You know? So yeah, right. I agree. And that's what I'm saying. I didn't right. want it. I didn't want to come be like shitting on Rogan. Like, Oh yeah. It's, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that unfortunately for me, the podcast has jumped the shark and it, it's gone in a direction that I know, like I said, you can never put the genie back in the bottle. So that's it. Yeah. And I guess it's a subjective thing where it's like what you go to the podcast for is sure. the shark, right? Sure. It's like what I go to the podcast for. It hasn't quite. Cause I think he'll just be able to get even, he'll be able to expose even a wider audience more than ever mm -hmm. to like Jordan Peterson was one of the most mm -hmm. impactful guests that he ever had on. And it's yeah. Like the, if he can do more of what he did in that episode, you know, for me, which was basically restoring my faith in something slash starting to dive down into my own history and trauma and why I do the things I do. And like, I became really interested in psychology and like, I mean, evolutionary psychology mm -hmm. and like just all of that type of stuff is like, you know, why do I, why, why am I an asshole? Like sometimes in those situations are mm -hmm. like, why aren't I nicer to people? Or I don't know, just all sorts of stuff. Um, and it's like, so it's like now that type of content is reaching more people than ever. And he's getting more people like that than ever. And I'm like, I don't know. So for me, that's what I go for. And that's my argument. Why it hasn't jumped the start. Jump, jump, sure, sure. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I feel like I go for that too, like more self-improvement, right? Like that's why I listen to the pod. And I just feel like it's less of that now, you know, and mm. that's, it is, it just is what it is. Like I just wanted mm. to kind of, because I knew you were a big Rogan fan too. So I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on it too, and just kind of bounce my ideas off and see what you thought. I, I'm surprised I thought you'd be a little bit more like, hmm, okay, yeah, that's, you're like, nah, you're wrong. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, it's I'm cool. not like you're wrong. It's your, as from my perspective, you're wrong because it's like, I just have a different perspective on it. You know, like the Alex Jones thing, like I can see, I see where you're coming from and that makes sense. I thought that way, but now I think this way and you disagree. Like, yeah, it's what, it's all good. Dude, have you ever talked to someone who like really hated Rogan? Just couldn't stand him. Not too much because, I mean, I have a pretty small circle. and They all, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, for the most part, I think at least have either no opinion or like him. Why? Because before I saw him in Phoenix, or it might have been after I saw him, I just remember I was sitting at my local tap house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just at the bar having a beer. This is pre-COVID, so seemed like a really normal thing at the time. <laughs> yeah. I, was, like, I, I knew the bartenders there, so we were talking, and it's just like, they have great beer, really cool spot, kind of trendy, you know, mm -hmm. um, in, in Phoenix, I think I said that. And then there's this, this couple at the, like sitting on the other corner of the bar, essentially like right next to me. And so I was chatting it up with them a little bit and he was like ex-military kind of quiet guy, but really nice, like really friendly. She was like a kind of a bigger personality. Um, and she did like a lot of the talking, I guess for them. And it turns out they were on like their first or second date. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but I'd mentioned like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to see Rogan or I saw Rogan. And she's like, oh, I can't stand that guy. Hmm. I was like, oh really? Why? And she's like, oh, he's just such a misogynist. Like I, I just can't stand him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I like, I never felt that way. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, well, have you heard about how he talks about women? And I was like, yeah, and I've like never really seemed like he felt women are inferior or any, anything like that at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, maybe we've seen different videos. And I was like, well, can you give me an example? She goes, uh, and you know, she just like kind of turns the conversation. And then I felt bad because like at this point I had realized they were on one of their first dates and I was like, I didn't want to be pissing her off. Sure. On this guy's. So I like looked at him. I was, I was like, I know, I know what you mean though. Like he definitely fosters kind of yeah. toxic masculinity, you know, talking yeah, point yeah, yeah. type of stuff. And I was like, gosh, it was just weird to me. Cause I'm like, it seems like he's like, just does nothing but good for the most part, you know, like he encourages people to do good things and be nice to people and whatnot. And then, yeah. So that was an interesting one to me. Cause and I, it's kind of the I same like that with uh jordan peterson too i feel like he's oftentimes mischaracterized by and so yeah honestly when people do that kind of stuff i'm like oh okay well you're just not you're not willing to actually investigate you're just reading the headlines in your facebook feed or whatever like you know i mean so honestly when people like that i don't i'm too old now to try to change people's minds or opinions on stuff like that like if they're if you can tell, oh, they're just either regurgitating something they heard from somebody else or they just read a headline, then it's not worth having a conversation with them anyway. See, I, I disagree a little bit on that too. Because like for, it's for, you're me, I was, <laughs> for me, I was like, I wasn't necessarily trying to change her mind. It was mm-hmm. kind of like, what do you know that I don't? Right. You know, and same thing, like I've had really in-depth, like, somewhat confrontational com- conversations about Jordan Peterson. Cause I'm, I love the guy. That's your you guy. Know, like yeah. he's, yeah, he's done so he's done awesome things for me in my life and making me a better person and like mm-hmm. closer to my family and everything. And so when people are like, when they're like, Oh, you know, they, they say he's, you know, like alt-right or whatever it may be. Usually it's not that it's usually just like, like I recommended his book and someone's like, it's kind of misogynistic. And I'm like, well, how so? Like, what am I missing? Or like I've Googled, mm-hmm. like I'll Google like, uh, you know, counterpoints to Jordan Peterson. Like I want to hear what these people have to say. Cause I'm like, am I drinking the Kool-Aid here? Or like, mm. you know, you start to question yourself a little bit when sure. there's so much media or press around it. It's like, what the hell am I missing? Well, I guess I'm not saying discount those ideas right away but i'm saying like once you realize oh these people have not done any research into their argument they're just making the argument that they heard from someone else or read on or or then it's it's like really emotional yeah then it's like all right because it it was it was a really good conversation too like Mm -hmm. in one in one of the instances where she was just like i don't know she made some good points and i was like well i think you're like kind of contorting what he's saying here and this you know and it's like that's always tough. Cause like, it's hard to get someone to change their mind. And I was like, well, here's this other information and they weren't having it. And I was like, ah, for sure. But I guess, here. And maybe this is a good place to end, but I feel like that's what I really appreciated about Rogan was he, 
in in the prime, he had this really cool way of like engaging people regardless of their beliefs and his beliefs. He could engage them in a meaningful dialogue about something, you know, mm-hmm. which is there's not enough of that, you know, like this conversation. We're not agreeing on almost anything, but I feel like it's valuable to at least have our opinions being shared, even if they're not, you know, because then if someone's listening, they can be like, hmm, yeah, I don't agree so much with Brian. You know, I mean, that's probably what they're saying. They're probably all agreeing mm. with me, but at least they're, you know, there's like, you know, there's there's different perspectives out there. But I, all kidding aside, I just think like it's important to continue to have meaningful conversations. And that's what I thought Rogan promoted on the pod. And it's not as much that now. That's Amen. That's all I was saying. I agree, though, man. Like, that's what, that's what. <clears throat> I realize that's what my life or is really all about. Like, that's my favorite thing about life. Like there's nothing like when I have a sit down and have a meaningful conversation with someone or talk to my dad on the phone, like he's the prime example of it. Cause we're super close. Um, or even friends or my brother or anything like that. Like I can get off a conversation with them, my grandma, and it'll be like an hour long or two hours long. And we're talking about, you know, anxiety and depression and life and existential angst and, you know, just like whatever. And it's not like, I don't know. It, it's just, it's not, how's the weather, you know what I mean? You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's something with depth and it's I not the comedy it's, store doc or anything, <laughs> but that's cool. Like that has depth to me. For sure. You know? like, for sure. We gotta have, we gotta have, can't just be all doom and gloom emotion. Yeah, no, you were like, you know, angst, anxiety, my cheese, dude. Like, <laughs> but like, I don't know. That's also, I guess, it's like therapeutic for me in a way. Sure. That's what therapy is, which I'm the biggest proponent of. Of like, it's where you really start to sort out like, why am I thinking this way? Where's this coming from? Should I like? Is this just kind of head trash? And I've just been holding on to it because I never really thought about it. You know, mm-hmm. I get in this thought pattern kind of thing. And I don't know, meaningful. And like, I guess more than anything, I've been listening to this book on the flow state. Mm-hmm. And I feel like which deep one conversations What's the are, book? Um, it was like the original book published by, I think it was some Russian dude. I can't remember. His oh, name. Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi. Ch- Ch- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm only, yeah, yeah. I'm that's only the a couple flow chapters dude. in. Dude, it's, it's so cool. And that's what I feel like in conversations like this. Like I didn't realize how much time's passed. I mm-hmm. wasn't thinking about anything else, you know, an hour, 37, 54, 55. There's mm-hmm. a counter on my, this thing is pretty cool. I appreciate Thank you for being, being my first guest on this new platform. It's going to be pretty cool mm-hmm. because I think we'll eventually be able to do like all video stuff too. So there'll be an audio version of the podcast, but then there'll be a video version too, which is pretty cool. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man, it's pretty so when exciting. You sell, when you sell to Spotify, I got to be the first guest on Spotify. 100%, dude. And then I will not question you or challenge you at all, dude. I will be like so pro Spotify at that point, just like making everybody happy at that point. I mean, it'll be phenomenal. The opposite of what you do now. I can't exactly. Wait. I'll be like, dude, I will call. The, I will change the name of the podcast and jump to shark, and it will be <laughs> the biggest. Like, listen, 
I'm just going to throw you softballs. Everything will be easy. I'm going to tell you how great you are, no matter how crazy you may sound. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, I can turn off my mood lighting now. <laughs> I know. See, it caused this caused a whole series of other problems. I had a shave today. I was going like quarantine beard, just nasty, long ear hairs. I mean, I was like trying to get ready. I had extra light in here. I mean, this was just something totally different, but it was good. I thought about bringing, I thought about bringing this out for you. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's nice. I like it. I appreciate you got the gaming headset though, so that our audio would be on point. I mean, you really outdid yourself for the pod. You know, you went to Austin all just for the pod. Really appreciate Research. that. I really I'll appreciate invoice that. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. The budget's not very big. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you having me on, man. That was fun. Yeah, dude, that was cool. Thanks for being on. We'll have to do a twenty twenty one episode. Uh, if we if we make it to twenty twenty one. When the zombies come around. Ah, uh, that'd be sick. Wouldn't it be? I yeah. feel like I'm ready. I'm not. All right, brother. All right, man.